Hey, before we get started today, it is email feedback time. And while I truly want to focus uh, more on an email that I recently received, one that simply started by saying, Tony, you are my spirit animal. And thank you. I have to imagine that as a compliment. Instead, I want to share another one of the emails that I received about the sponsor of the virtual couch, betterhelp.com. Don't, don't, uh, don't turn the dial yet. Here goes. Stick with me for a second. Here's the email. It says, uh, Hi, Tony, or Mr. Overbay, or Dr. Overbay. I'm not really sure what to call you. And I will just uh, insert here, Tony is just fine, for the record. Um, unless you're presenting me with some sort of lab coat, which therapists don't wear, but sometimes I think would be nice, especially because the AC vent in my office blows directly on me. But I digress, which actually will get to be a part of the episode today. Uh, they go on to say, I've never written into a podcast, so there you go. But I just wanted to thank you for speaking pretty passionately about one of your ads on uh, BetterHelp.com. Yes, I was having one of those moments where I couldn't get to the phone to fast forward, so I was stuck listening to the ad. But there were a couple of things that you said that caused me to think, why not? I might as well go check out the site. And I know this is doing you a favor, so yes, I typed in BetterHelp.com slash Virtual Couch, so you'll get the credit, and I'm inserting in there, thank you. And I ended up spending about a half an hour on the site, particularly reading the reviews. Seriously, so I've never been to therapy, I've never thought therapy was for me, and I'll be honest, I still don't know if I would tell somebody that I am going to therapy, and there's no shame there on that uh, on that in my part of not telling people that I'm going, and yes, I learned that concept of shame not being a positive thing from you, thank you very much. I'm just a couple of sessions in with my therapist, but I've already had an epiphany after epiphany. I love my therapist, not in a weird way, of course, but I just wanted to say thank you. And if you end up reading this ad and somebody out there is thinking about just checking out the idea of online therapy, at least go look at the site and yes, go to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. Keep doing what you do, Tony, and please don't ever change. So thank you so much for that email. And yes, please do go to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch because you will get 10% off your first months uh, of their services. And just go check out the reviews alone. It really doesn't matter where you're located. Their assessment tools are incredible. You'll get matched up with somebody who most likely specializes in whatever you're wanting to explore. And even if you don't have anything specific to explore, that is okay. The assessment tools make room for that as well. You'll be able to start communicating with somebody in less than 24 hours. There's no waiting in an uncomfortable waiting room, although I will admit my waiting room is pretty comfy. But it's more affordable than traditional counseling. And one thing that I need to talk about more is that they do have financial aid that is available. So go check out what 500,000 more people and growing daily have already done before you. Sign up now by going to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch and uh, get the help that you need or that you didn't even know that you need today. Um, what are you waiting for? Again, that's betterhelp.com, H-E-L-P.com slash virtual couch. Uh, go check it out today. I'm Dan Radin from Oxbus, the software used to create this podcast. It's your time. Harness your voice to grow your income. Oxbus is the fastest, easiest way to create podcasts that are as professional as you are. No audio experience is necessary. Go to Oxbus, that's A-U-X-B-U-S dot com, and start your podcast for free right now. Coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, part two of my admission, my confession, my ADHD, or more specifically, my ADD inattentive type, and me, frenemies from way back. Today, we'll cover topics such as impulsivity. What if you don't want to take medication? Why sleep can help and much, much more. Coming right up on the virtual couch. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to episode 148 of the virtual couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back. 
an online pornography recovery program that is helping people like you reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of turning to pornography as a coping mechanism. It's a habitual pattern. If you or anyone that you know is struggling to put pornography behind you once and for all, and trust me, it can be done, and done in a healthy, cup-filling, strength-based, hold-the-shame way, please head over to pathbackrecovery.com, and there you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography again that is pathbackrecovery.com and yes i get the question often it's uh, it's good for all ages it, it really is um it's a very positive faith-based strength-based program that uh that is fine for teenagers adults uh, men women you name it and please take a second to visit uh, virtual couch on instagram at virtual couch and you can also find a virtual couch page on facebook and there is also Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist page on Facebook as well. And last but not least, please stop by TonyOverbay.com and sign up there to find out more about a lot of really exciting programs, things coming to soon, coming too soon, coming too soon, not soon enough, but things that are coming soon. And uh, I talked about this in my last episode with my daughter McKinley. If you leave a review on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify or on Google Play Store and you leave it and shoot me an email at contact at TonyOverbay.com with your mailing address and just point me to the, the review. If you're in a, you can just let me know if you're interested in a virtual couch magnet or a virtual couch sticker and I will send it your way, which does remind me I showed them on the YouTube interview with my daughter. And so all of the episodes do go up on the virtual couch YouTube channel. If it's with a person, you're going to see the person actually. And if it's just me going solo, um, a lot of people are listening to podcasts more on YouTube. So it, uh, it's just the audio. Um, there are some in the past where I would film myself doing something like this, but, uh, but I at least have the audio on there. And uh, this episode, we're ready. I did not see this coming. Um, so uh, in the sake of the way that Oxbus lets me set up my episodes and sound very well produced, um, let me pause right here and say, let's get to the episode. Okay, welcome to part two of my ADHD, and then in little brackets, ADD inattentive type, and me, Frenemies from Way Back, part two of two. And uh, this episode, I am so excited to uh, to do this part two, and I did not expect the feedback from part one, the feedback on uh, on social media, and especially more direct messages than I've ever had about anything in my entire life, more emails, more clients bringing things up in session, uh, a couple of text messages of the similar, similar things where people just resonated with the do I have ADHD or not. So I do not want you to think that I am assuming that everyone in the world has ADHD, or specifically what I was talking a lot about, this ADD inattentive type. Um, I, you know, just hearing a podcast is definitely no replacement for professional counseling. Um, I would highly suggest that you do go seek help and uh, see if this is something that uh, something that maybe is uh, if it resonated to you and hearing part one, then go go see a therapist. Uh, don't just revert to doing some nice online surveys or that sort of thing. But uh, boy, a lot of people though really struck a chord, and I think the biggest point about that—that that striking a chord—was something that I that I talked about, that I dealt with in my own life, that I still deal with up to this point. Where if your brain is going a thousand miles an hour, and it always has been, and then you identify with a lot of these checklist items of not completing tasks, or your mind wandering, or not being able to even finish reading a sentence of a book at times, or all these sort of things, and you just assume that that's the way that everybody uh, dealt with life. I think that's one of the things where people thought, "Wait a minute, I did. I thought everybody did this." 
this. And uh, sometimes all it takes is just looking over to your spouse on the couch and saying, hey, when you read, um, do you have to keep going back over the same thing over and over and over again because you're thinking about something else the entire time? And if they say, no, not really, um, it's pretty interesting to see that uh, sometimes we just assume that everybody's having this similar experience to us. But I wanted to get to uh, to part two today, and I'm going to pick back up at that helpguide.org article that was talking about ADHD symptoms. I'm also going to refer to a book that I, I am absolutely, uh, it's, it's pretty wild. I mean, I'm reading this book like it's a, some fiction book, like a John Grisham book, the kind of books that I actually really enjoy just reading for fun. This one is called Driven to Distraction, and it's by Edward M. Hallowell and John Ratty, R-A-T-E-Y, so it's probably Ratte, but both MDs. Um, but it's driven to distraction. It's it's recognizing and coping with attention deficit disorder from childhood through adulthood. And I'm gonna I'm gonna re- read out of that a little bit today too. Just some things that are just really resonating with me, and I think will help if you're listening as well. But here's a lot of the the feedback I got was good. I did have a few people that were doing a little bit of a hey, don't do a disservice by just saying telling everybody they need to go get medicated and that everybody has ADHD. So that is absolutely not the intent. This is uh, this is my journey that I am sharing with people. Um, so here's a couple of questions, and we'll maybe, we'll probably get to these a little bit later on in the episode. Are there natural alternatives? Are there uh, homeopathic remedies to um, to work with ADHD or ADD and attentive type? And I know that the answer is is yes. I'm not very familiar with them, and uh, so that is something that you can seek out if you can talk to your doctor about that. Maybe you have a therapist that does a little bit more in the world of homeopathic remedies. But uh, I am definitely not saying that there are not other alternatives out there. Do you have to go on medication? Absolutely not. We'll talk about that a little bit more today. Um, it, matter of fact, in this Driven to Distraction, the book, they, they cover all of that about uh, what it looks like in, in working with ADHD without medication. And are there some things to start doing right now without a diagnosis and without medication to help? Yes, we are going to talk about those things for sure today. And uh, this one even caused me to listen to my last episode, um, at least the last 20 minutes, just to see where we ended. And man, I will tell you, uh, me at one and a half times speed is indeed rough. But uh, before we even get to back to that article, I jotted down a few notes as well. I had a situation just over the weekend where I was heading out with my son, two of my daughters, McKinley, who was on the last episode, who was back from school briefly, uh, my senior, my high school daughter, Sydney, her boyfriend, shout out to E. We were going to find something to eat. And it was late. And my wife, uh, well, here's the way the situation worked. We, we had a particular place we wanted to go in mind. We got there about 9.35. It had closed at 9.30. And I had uh, seen a lot of clients during the day. I, I hadn't eaten. And, uh, and I was ready. I was hungry. I was getting a little bit hangry. That is a real thing for me, I, I will admit. And so we immediately start throwing out other ideas. And, uh, and a lot of people are doing the, ah, whatever. Whatever you think. You know, it's fine. We kind of settle in on pizza. My daughter, Sydney, suggests the place to go. And I say, oh, good. That's great. So we start heading toward that uh, that place. And I just start throwing out other ideas. Okay. Or or do we want to do this? Or do we want to do this? And I feel like right as I caught it, you know, my wife was kind of pointing out that, uh, hey, Sid said pizza. And we all thought it was a good idea and where we're going. And I was like, man, you know, you are so right. And then she brought it up again over the weekend about that example, because a lot of times I do feel like that's just my mind just starts going. And uh, and it's just kind of I'm not even aware that we had already made this decision that we were even literally heading in the direction of the place that we were going to eat. And uh, I just start just throwing out these. But what about this? But what about this? What about this? You know, and, and and it comes from a good place. I mean, in my mind, I just wanted to make sure that everybody was heard, even though everybody was fine with the decision that we'd make. Um, my wife also mentioned to me, and I, I appreciated this as well, you know, she'll see this in a lot of other areas too. So at the gym, uh, we decided uh, to do a workout. I was like, yeah, whatever you want to do. Um, she does 
a lot with uh, a lot of good workouts that she has. And so I thought, I'll just follow your lead. And then, you know, I'm noticing that uh, I'm saying, all right, so uh, what, what do you do next? Do you do, uh, what, you do shoulders? Do you do shoulders? Will you do this one over here? Do you want to go over here? Do you want to start working on this one? And then while you do that, I mean, should I start doing this one? And she's like, sure. And I was thinking, you know, at the end, man, um, I kind of just uh, asked her, let's let's do your workout. And then again, in my mind, coming from a good place, but I, I kind of jumped in there and just uh, took charge. And I kind of imagine that can be pretty annoying. So I was grateful that she brought that to my attention. And those are things that I feel like are ADHD symptoms. And I was before I even get to the helpguide.org, let me jump into this book, um, Driven to Distraction, because I want to share a couple of concepts here that I just really resonated with me. There's chapter eight. It says, what can you do about it? It says the treatment of ADHD. And it says hope begins with the diagnosis more than with most disorders, often just making, uh, often just the making of the diagnosis of ADD exerts a powerful therapeutic effect. The walls of years of misunderstanding come crashing down under the force of a lucid explanation of the cause of the individual's problems. And uh, I love this next paragraph. While with other medical conditions, the diagnosis directs the treatment, with ADD, to a large extent, the diagnosis is the treatment. The diagnosis brings great relief in and of itself. For example, I love this example. It says, if you are nearsighted and had never heard of nearsightedness, and for years you had thought your blurry vision and subsequent learning problems were due to a lack of effort or moral turptitude, there's a big word, imagine your relief in discovering that there was this condition called nearsightedness and that had nothing to do with effort or morality, but rather it was a neurological condition. So it is with ADD. The diagnosis is liberating. Everything else in the treatment evolves logically from an understanding of the diagnosis. That, I mean, honestly, that one almost brought me to tears, especially the part where it says, imagine that the, you know, the, the, the struggles that you have, um, the subsequent learning problems, you know, you grow up kind of thinking that they're due to a lack of effort or this moral turptitude, you know, or just what is wrong with me when you continue to try over and over again to correct behaviors and you just feel like you're getting nowhere. And so, you know, to find out that there is a thing for, you know, people that there is a diagnosable thing, ADD, ADHD, when you find out that there's a thing, um, and if you're just picking up on part two, please go back and listen to part one. I'm going to, I do refer to ADD and ADHD almost interchangeably. That's simply because um, ADHD is the, the, the blanket diagnosis and, uh, ADD inattentive type. That is the subtype of ADHD. That's what I'm uh, particularly struggling with myself. The ADD inattentive type, which is somewhat without the hyperactivity. Although I think that some would argue that there's a touch of hyperactivity in me as well, but just learning about the diagnosis often helps then direct the path, kind of guides you from there. Um, so, so I, I really think that's a good place to start, that even sometimes that diagnosis alone can give people a lot of help. Uh, I'll, while I'm in the book, let me stay here a little bit. It says, as you learn about ADD, you change yourself. You give yourself a power you never had before, and the power resides in the knowledge. Your knowledge becomes a part of you and silently, subtly works to move you to a new place. The treatment of ADD is not passive, and I think that's key to note, not something one uh, reclines to receive. Rather, the treatment is an active process involving work and study. In adults, the process of education is straightforward. Through reading, attending lectures, talking to experts and others who have ADD, you gradually learn as much as you can about it. In children, the process raises questions in most parents' and teachers' minds. How much do we tell a child? At what age is he or she old enough to know that uh, what ADD is? Should other children in the class know if one child has it? What if the child thinks the diagnosis really means he or she is stupid? How much should the child know about medication? And these are def- difficult questions. And, and in this book, Driven to Distraction, they, uh, they go on to say that there really is no right answer. And uh, the doctors say, however, based on extensive experience with many children, families, and schools, um, that uh, they say that they have found the following principle to be get the best guide to tell the truth. 
and uh, and I will. I will try to have. Uh, I'll try to continue this uh, ADD party train rolling, and uh, and try to get some people on here to talk about ADHD with kids in particular because I I really appreciate what he's saying. There's the best guide is to tell the truth, but I also know that everybody has their own. Here comes an acceptance and commitment therapy term. Their own private experiences also that lead to what the fears or hesitations are with the truth. So and and while I'm still in this book, one more thing that I was really eager to read talks about what can you do about it and talking about structure. So this new understanding of oneself that the diagnosis and education provides uh, kind of naturally to the reoccurring and restructuring of one's life, both internally and externally, by taking ADD into account and trying to get rid of the long-held negative perceptions of oneself, one rethinks or reshapes one's self-image. This is the internal restructuring. And one rearranges the nuts and bolts of one's daily life, setting up means of improved organization and control. This is the external restructuring of uh, ADD. So here's the quote that I wanted to get to. Structure is central in the treatment of ADD. The word structure is a homely one, perhaps conjuring up dull images of blueprints or two-by-fours. However, structure can dazzle with its results. Structure can make possible the expression of talent. Without structure, no matter how much talent there may be, there is only chaos. Think of what a tight structure Mozart worked within. The very tightness of the structure helped create the intensity of the expression of Mozart's genius. Whether, and this, boy, again, this, this book, Driven to Distraction, this, this next sentence got me too. Whether it be the iambic pentameter of Shakespeare or the rhymed couplets of Pope or the rhythm of the long distance runner, kind of resonated, or the timing of the short order cook, all creative expression requires structure. Many adults with ADD have not fulfilled their considerable creative potential because they have been unable to shape and direct their creative energies. And uh, they said, think of, think of it like a thermometer and, and the mercury that's contained in a thermometer. If anybody's ever broken a thermometer, you know what happens to the mercury. So they said that the ADD mind is like spilled mercury, running and beating. Structure is the vessel needed to contain the mercury of the ADD mind to keep it from being here and there and everywhere all at once. Structure allows the ADD mind to be put to best use rather than dissipating itself like so many tiny beads of mercury on the floor. So structure is, is it does depend on a lot of the things that we hear all the time, things that people have tried often. It's lists, it's reminders, it's notepads, um, it's appointment books, filing systems. And all of these are things that most people that have struggled with ADD have tried over and over again. And that's where I tell you that it can be different, especially if you're finding a therapist or a, or a coach or someone that knows or has experience with ADD, but also just doing having the awareness that that, that diagnosis is part of the treatment. Knowing that, of course, it's not, you know, it's going to be hard for me to stick to a task or to continue to use the list. And that's where I feel like the, the acceptance and commitment therapy tools come in. If my goal is to stick to this ADHD treatment or ADD treatment, even the very story my brain's trying to hook me to that, you know, it's been three or four days since I looked at my list. Therefore, you know, I'm not good at looking at lists or this hasn't worked in the past. Those are, that is true. But is that a productive thought toward my goal of finally doing something about my ADHD? And the answer is no. So um, it's just a matter of continuing to go back to and try and try again, because you will, when you can finally kind of outwit your brain and convince your brain that, look, I'm doing this. Um, a lot of those uh, stories that your brain tries to hook you to or fuse you to do start to become less intense and you get really good at just moving past them. So, so let me get back to the, uh, the article and we're going to go through this thing pretty quick too, because I'm sure that time is already getting away from me. Um, so we left off on impulsivity. So, and again, I'm back to helpguide.org and I'll link to this in all the show notes, 
But impulsivity, if you suffer from symptoms in this category, you might have trouble inhibiting your behaviors, comments, responses. You might act before thinking or react without considering consequences. You may find yourself interrupting others, blurting out comments, rushing through tasks without reading instructions. There's one that resonated with me. If you have impulse problems, staying patient is extremely difficult. For better or for worse, you may dive headlong into situations and find yourself in potentially risky circumstances. Symptoms include frequently interrupting others or talking over them. And this is one of those where I feel like in the in the assessment tools, you will see questions that refer to this. Do you have trouble uh, in taking turns where turn-taking is expected? Or do you often finish other people's sentences? And I find that in severe or intense cases, I have people literally in my office that are, that are just cutting me off over and over again. Um, I find that for most, this is one of those adaptive behaviors where you have learned to not blurt out, but that doesn't mean that the mind is still engaged or focused on what the other person is saying. So frequently interrupting others or talking over them. Poor self-control or addictive tendencies. Now, I remember in my training, doing some of my training around things like pornography addiction or compulsive sexual behavior, and that there was a very high correlation of uh, ADD, ADHD symptoms. I believe uh, in one thing, the one training I went to, they were talking about almost 40% of of uh, people that have these impulse control disorders have uh, have a co-diagnosis of some sort of ADD or ADHD-like behaviors. And again, if we just look at the pure neurology, that if you're if you're just constantly looking for that dopamine bump, um, you know, you just become just uh, this impulse, impulsive. And uh, man, sometimes the impulses can be can be viewed as creative, but other times those impulses can be viewed as destructive. And so, understanding ADD in this scenario can often help with uh, help kind of build walls or boundaries around those impulses or people that act out on these impulses. Um, blurting out thoughts that are rude or inappropriate without thinking. Um, we might know people that do that, and that falls into the line of impulsivity. A lot of people that will often just say, hey, I'm just telling it like it is. But sometimes it's uh, that becomes the the excuse because it's people that are, are not kind of working on trying to not blurt out uh, almost feel like they just they just do it. They can't help it. Acting recklessly or spontaneously without regard for consequences. Again, we're just wanting that dopamine rush. A lot of people that uh, just in the, you know, they'll seem completely rational. And then in one moment, all of a sudden they're doing something completely crazy. And, uh, and again, here's where things like ADD or ADHD can differ as well from people who are simply seeking attention. People with insecurities that are seeking validation through doing crazy things versus people who just all of a sudden feel an impulse and then they act on it. Uh, trouble behaving in socially appropriate ways, such as sitting still during a long meeting. This was another one in the assessment tools that I thought was pretty funny. It talked about, do you often get up when you shouldn't? Uh, do you leave meetings early? And I feel like that's one of those where you just learn to all of a sudden, you know, I don't know, pick your nails, pick your cuticles, um, you know, whatever it is, doodle, uh, play with your pen, um, all of these things and learning to just be not still. It's definitely not still, but staying in a meeting because you know that if you leave the meeting, that's a bad thing. Uh, let's move on to emotional difficulties. Many adults with ADHD have a hard time managing their feelings, especially when it comes to emotions like anger or frustration. Common emotional symptoms of adult ADHD include being easily flustered and stressed out, um, irritability uh, or short, often explosive temper. And and I do know, again, these are things that all kind of play into the ginormous ADHD pie because you know, you might have somebody here that has had no, none of the other symptoms and they say, well, I get stressed out. I don't know. You know what do I have ADHD too? And eh, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this whole combo pack. Again, all the ingredients in this ADHD, ADHD pie, but being easily flustered and stressed out. I know the flustered part for me would become, it, it, I particularly feel flustered when I'm not following through on something that I know, I know will be good for me. 
um, or even if it was an impulse. I mean, and I'll tell you the way impulsivity can work as well. It can be, um, and oh boy, let's get all vulnerable here, right? Uh, long ago, I had a donut problem. Man, did I have a donut problem. But when you're running literally 8 to 10 miles a day, 70, 80 miles a week, that's um, not as much of a problem. Donuts are kind of awesome. And so, but the more I was turning over the last year or two to work and these amazing opportunities and the mileage was going down, the more that siren song of the donut would call. And uh, before I moved offices a few months ago, I had an exit. And if I got off on that exit, it was not good. There were going to be donuts being purchased. That, that was for sure. I literally, literally had to, on the freeway, start practicing mindfulness exercises just to be able to drive past that exit. And I would do it often. I would start my breathing. I would start focusing on the steering wheel. I would start um, really focusing on whatever the podcast was I was listening to. And man, if I made it past that uh, exit... I just felt like I was done. I did it. I made it. But if I just start all of a sudden pulling off on that exit, it's like donut time. It really was. Um, so uh, low self-esteem and a sense of insecurity or underachievement. There's, there is the, uh, that's the one I hear often in my office. And, and maybe that's just because I'm hearing especially that through my own filter of that you know, on the outside, you can project as being very confident. But on the inside, the sense of insecurity or underachievement. Underachievement, going back to that quote from Driven to Distraction, of just feeling like we missed out on our potential. And I feel like a lot of people do find that as uh, one of the consequences of not being able to follow through on things thanks to their ADD. Um, trouble staying motivated or hypersensitivity to criticism. And and so those last two as well, I, I remember experiencing a little bit of that as well. The trouble staying motivated is, uh, I do feel like that one, you know, once you get some uh, track record of maybe some more success or completing projects or finishing things, then I feel like that trouble staying motivated often isn't as much of the problem, but it still is kind of trying to focus on what to motiv- what, what to stay focused on or uh, paying attention to what the most important things are. You can still get easily distracted and spend time in things that you feel like are good, but they are not quite better or even best. Um, hypersensitivity to criticism. Uh, again, you don't have to have all of these checks. Um, I feel like uh, that's one that thankfully been okay with uh, criticism, unless it's by someone that I really care about, I guess, uh, you know, somebody in my family. Um, let's get on here to hyperactivity or restlessness. So here's one that, uh, that often does get, you know, people think, well, I don't have it because I'm not hyperactive. So it says hyperactivity in adults with ADHD may appear the same as it does in kids. You might be highly energetic and perpetually on the go as if driven by a motor. Now there's the one where I do feel like there's a little bit of an H, uh, the hyperactivity in my own diagnosis. When I would fill out the assessments, there a lot of the questions do kind of focus around, do you ever feel like you are driven by a motor? And sometimes I do feel like a little bit of a wind-up toy, that once I'm kind of wound up, then I'm going to go for a little while. But it says for many people with ADHD, however, the symptoms of hyperactivity become more subtle and internal as they grow older. Common symptoms of hyperactivity in adults include feelings of inner restlessness, agitation, or racing thoughts. Check, check, check. Getting bored easily, craving excitement, tendency to take risks, a few checks there, uh, talking excessively, doing a million things at once, uh-huh. and uh, trouble sitting still and constant fidgeting. Um, I, I still have a fidget cube. I really do. I feel like it's almost like I'm admitting that I still have a pet rock from back in the 80s, but I still have a fidget cube, and uh, people in my office will know that I'm either taking notes, or if it's a time where maybe the taking notes isn't necessarily necessary, <laughs> I wish I wouldn't have just used that phrase, um, but uh, I will pull out the fidget cube, and the fidget cube is well-worn in many places. And so just that trouble, trouble sitting still or, or constant fidgeting. And it says you don't have to be hyperactivity, uh, hyperactive to have ADHD. This is on helpguide.org. It says adults with ADHD are most like mo- must. <laughs> Am I just getting all, uh, I'm getting too excited, right? Adults with ADHD are much less likely to show hyperactivity than their younger counterparts. Only a small slice of adults with ADHD, in fact, suffer from prominent symptoms of hyperactivity. 
Remember that names can be deceiving and you may very well have ADHD if you have one or more of the symptoms above, even if you lack the hyperactivity. So effects of adult ADHD. I want to go through these. And this will kind of get to that question initially of what can I be doing now if I don't necessarily want to go get a diagnosis and if I'm definitely not interested in medication. So if you're just discovering that you have adult ADHD, chances are that you have suffered over the years due to the unrecognized problem. Um, The article goes on to say you might feel like you've been struggling to keep your head above water or overwhelmed by constant stress caused by procrastination, disorganization, and handling demands at the last minute. A lot of people maybe have labeled you lazy or irresponsible or stupid because of your forgetfulness or difficulty completing certain tasks. And here's the hard part. Go back to the way the brain works. You might have started to fuse to these thoughts as well. You might have begun to think of yourself in these negative terms as well. A little bit of that self-fulfilling prophecy. So ADD, ADHD is that undiagnosed uh, and untreated can have wide-reaching effects and cause problems in virtually every area of your life. So here's the effects of adult ADHD. Um, physical and mental health problems. We've kind of already talked about that, and you can only imagine that you can have a variety of health problems, including compulsive eating or substance abuse, anxiety, chronic stress and tension, uh, feelings of low self-esteem. A lot of people with ADHD, and I know this one well, uh, run into trouble when neglecting important checkups or skipping doctor's appointments, ignoring medical instructions, forgetting to take medications. Um, I think that one is one I see often, is that sometimes when you have this ADHD, that uh, it is pretty fascinating. I, I find that people will have trouble Sometimes remembering to take antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications, but but admittedly, I feel like once they do find if, if medication is the route that they are wanting to go, you find that ADHD medication, and I'll tell you, I mean, that's not one that I ever forget to take, um, for sure. Uh, run into work and financial difficulties. I kind of talked about this in my first episode, um, part one. Adults in ADHD often experience career difficulties and feel a strong sense of underachievement. That's an understatement, talking about underachievement. You might have trouble keeping a job, following corporate rules, meeting deadlines, sticking to -to nine-to-five routines. Managing finances might also pose a problem. Holy cow, that is the truth. You may struggle with unpaid bills, lost paperwork, late fees, and debt due to impulsive spending. Um, All of those. I've experienced all of those, if I'm being uh, completely vulnerable. Um, Always had, you know, thank goodness I've always had uh, safety with a job. But even that, uh, when I talked about my story of 10 years in software, it was the uh, the dot com boom itself that kind of did a number on the particularly the industry that I was in, and uh, then kind of started to force me to look otherwise. And that's when some of these other things started to kick into play here: the you know meeting deadlines, sticking to a routine, managing finances, struggling with unpaid bills, lost paperwork, those sort of things. Relationship problems. The symptoms of ADHD can put a strain on your work, love, and family relationships. You may be fed up with the constant nagging from loved ones to tidy up or to listen more closely or to get organized. Those close to you, on the other hand, may feel hurt and resentful over your perceived irresponsibility or insensitivity. And this is where I just say, bless my sainted wife. I mean, for real, this is where I just I can't even imagine how lucky uh, that I that I did get there because I know that. you know, I know that um, there are plenty of times where I need to tidy up, uh, listen more closely, or get organized. And uh, she just has the patience of Job. And uh, again, very grateful for that. Um, the wide-reaching effects of ADHD can lead to embarrassment, frustration, hopelessness, disappointment, loss of confidence. You may feel like you've never been able to get your life under control or fulfill your potential. And that's why a diagnosis of adult ADHD can be an enormous source of relief and hope. It helps you understand what you're up against for the first time. Like I read in that book, Driven to Distraction, the, the diagnosis is often the beginning of treatment, um, or it is the treatment. Helps you understand what you're up against. Realize that you're not to blame. The difficulties you've experienced stem from attention deficit disorder. They're not a result of a personal weakness or a character flaw. I can't say that enough. And, and again, it's having that experience that in my own life. Boy, do you feel like it is a character flaw. Or man, you feel like it is personal weakness. Um, but uh, helpguide.org goes on to say that you don't have to, adult ADHD does not have to hold you back. 
when you have ADHD, it's easy to end up thinking there's something wrong with you, but it's okay to be different. It's, it's, uh, it isn't an indicator of intelligence or capability. You may experience more difficulty in certain areas, but that doesn't mean you can't find your niche and, and achieve success. The key is to discover your strengths and capitalize on them. I still remember back in the day when I first started working for myself, this is when I left the software industry. And while I was going back to school to become a therapist, I also had started a a company doing uh, hard drive duplicators into the computer forensics market. Um, exciting, right? I mean, it was exciting, actually. It was pretty pretty fascinating. But I remember that I was going to figure out how to do my bookkeeping. And uh, I even took a two-day course down in the Bay Area, and I was going to go learn QuickBooks. And I went down there, and I maybe made it two or three hours, and I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I mean, it was so just not um, the way that my brain thought. And that was one of the first times where I just thought, um, and I can't say that I immediately went and hired an accountant and then lived happily ever after, but that was where I thought, okay, I can't, I can't take this on as well and then uh, and assume that I'm going to be okay with this because it really was the whole concept of bookkeeping and that sort of thing was just something that was just, it just, I had such a struggle with that. Um, and so it, it was, you know, that was, I discovered that was not one of my strengths. So I was not going to capitalize on that. That was something to be farmed out. So uh, the article goes on to say, it can be helpful to think about attention deficit disorder as a collection of traits that are both positive and negative, just like any other set of qualities you might possess, along with the impulsivity and disorganization of ADHD, for example, often come incredible creativity, uh, passion, energy, there we go, um, out of the box thinking and a constant flow of original ideas. So figuring out your strengths and setting up an environment in a way that supports them. So here's where when uh, the question that I that I received about what can I do now if I don't want to get medicated, if I'm not necessarily even open to going and receiving the diagnosis, um, armed with this understanding of ADHD's challenges, it, you can be you can take a look at more structure and really um, dive into structure and be more open and honest with yourself about what works, what doesn't work, and then use these acceptance and commitment therapy principles to continue to jump back and try and try and try again. And not look at, uh, I won't even call them failures, but not looking at when you don't keep a task or, you know, or a schedule that that isn't, you're not a failure. It's the don't, don't fuse to the what's wrong with me story. But what do we do with that data? What do we need to do to keep moving forward to get that structure in place? Many adults with attention deficit disorder found meaningful ways to manage their symptoms, taking advantage of their gifts and lead productive and satisfying lives. Um, the article goes on to say you don't necessarily need outside intervention, at least not right away. There's a lot you can do to help yourself and get your symptoms under control. Here we go. Exercise and eat healthily. Um, exercise vigorously and regularly. It helps to work off excess energy and aggression in a positive way while soothing and calming the body. And these are those things where I feel like just, you know, thankfully, uh, I feel like I was, I was looked out for and kept sane by discovering or finding this world of ultra running. For over 25 years, the, uh, the ultra running, the running every morning and, uh, you know, extensive running really, I feel like, helped to work off excess energy and aggression in a positive way soothing and calming the body. And, uh, and, and now I look back on that as I think that was a bit of a lifesaver. Get plenty of sleep. It says when you're tired, it's even more difficult to focus, manage stress, stay productive, and keep on top of your responsibilities. Support yourself by turning off screens at least one hour before bed. Um, and it says getting between seven and nine hours of sleep every night. If you listen to my podcast at all um, over time, I've even done an episode on sleep, but I've been very, very open about I feel that I'm one of, uh, I, you know, I don't need as much sleep. I, I've really not gotten a lot of sleep my entire life. And it's part of it is because I do feel like I've got this motor. I do feel like my, my goal is to try and stay productive and keep on top of my responsibilities. But I do often wonder that if I had been more productive throughout my life, had, uh, you know, would I not have found this need to work off of less sleep? And uh, I think eventually my body said that, It'll uh, it'll it'll kind of cave on that one, and so I still don't get a lot of sleep, 
Um, and that is something that I do hope to work on in the not too distant future. Practice better time management. Set deadlines for everything, even seemingly small tasks. Use timers and alarms to stay on track. Take breaks at regular interval- intervals. Avoid piles of paperwork or procrastination by dealing with each item as it comes in. Prioritize time-sensitive tasks. Write down every assignment, message, or important thought. Right there is the is the place to start. I'm trying to get better about, you know, you don't walk past a problem. So if there's something that you can do in that moment, pay a bill, respond to someone, try, try, try your best to do that in the moment. Um, setting deadlines is very important. And yes, I know that you can set a deadline and uh, you can set a deadline a week before a real deadline and your brain knows that you're not, uh, you've still got this extra week. But that's one of those where just practice, just start to practice that concept. And uh, that's avoiding a lot of piles of paperwork because that can start to feel overwhelming um, dealing with each item as it comes in. And write down every assignment or message or important thought. Right now, I feel like if you're just trying to start somewhere, and a lot of times people feel like, yeah, but I've got you know lists everywhere and that sort of thing. But I think what that ends up leading to are then people turning away from lists. So right now, let's at least get that data down. So at least start creating lists. I use a program called Wonderlist. And, uh, and even that, I am not very good at it. But I, I continually try to go to that and even put down every thought or, you know, I need to reach out to this person or this or this. I mean, before this episode, I can't lie, I got some little virtual couch 3x5 uh, sticky notes a while ago. And I actually have, um, I have, I was writing out a bunch of notes on the sticky note. Okay, let's cover a few more. Uh, work on your relationships. Schedule activities with friends. Keep your engagements. Stay vigilant in conversation and online communication. And that one's a struggle for me as well. Uh, I'll get back to that one uh, here in a second. Listen when others are speaking. Try not to speak or text or email too quickly yourself. Um, cultivate relationships with people who are sympathetic and understanding of your struggles with ADHD. And the vigilant in conversations or online communication. I do find myself constantly uh, dealing with this. I want to wait until I have enough time to get back to people with a very thoughtful and a well thought out answer. And unfortunately, the more feedback I get, the harder and harder that can become. And uh, the more text that I have in front of me, the more that I find myself wanting to, um, you know, I just feel like I can't just quickly address those. I feel like I have to have this locked in moment to get back to people. So I'm trying to work on that one as well. Um, because I think that's significant for relationships. But scheduling activities with friends and keeping your engagements, I think, is a really important one. Uh, so that, that's something to kind of bring some awareness to right away. Create a supportive work environment. Make frequent l- use of lists, color coding, reminders, note to self rituals, and files. If possible, choose work that motivates and interests you. And I know that can be a challenge for a lot of people as well. Notice how and when you work best and apply these conditions to your working environment as best you can. It can help the team up with, uh, and I think this is kind of an interesting um, phrase, but I totally see where they're going with this. It says it can help the team up with less creative or more organized people, a partnership that can be mutually beneficial. So that less creative is not saying uh, talking down to someone, but there are people that have incredible strengths around an organization, which could be the ultimate um, just combo pack of having someone that has this uh, ADD or ADHD type of brain and then somebody who loves the organization or the follow through. And I think I talked about in part one, the part one episode, where a lot of the entrepreneurs that I work with that are incredibly successful, incredibly successful um, businessmen, who, who businesswomen who make a lot of money, but who are good entrepreneurs, good setup people, but then they do need to find people that come in and then take care of the, the minutia or the small details in business and sometimes even in their lives as well uh, with regard to like having assistance or that sort of thing. Um, practice mindfulness. So while this can be difficult for people with ADHD to even contemplate, and, uh, and I know this well, 
Regular mindfulness meditation can help you calm your busy mind and gain more control over your emotions. Try meditating for a short period and increase the time as you become more comfortable with the process. This is not um, an ad for anything. There are a lot of good meditation and mindfulness apps. I think I'm on year five or six of Headspace. If you haven't tried Headspace, I'm a big fan of that. And this is something that I still try to do on a daily basis. And, uh, and you know, the, the data is there. The science is there. You put uh, a nice daily mindfulness practice together. I think some of the data from uh, Dan Harris's book, 10% Happier, which is uh, he has his own 10% Happier is a mindfulness app as well. But some of that data shows that you put about, I think it's eight weeks of eight minutes a day of daily mindfulness practice together, and you can really start to change the neuropathways of the brain. And the effects are incredible of being able to just put a little pause before you react. And I think that's been really important, in, uh, especially in communicating my, you know, my wants, my desires, my hopes, uh, and also even just in listening to kids, clients, that sort of thing, and being able to put that little pause in there before, before I react. And uh, like this last one. Blame the ADHD, not yourself. So it says adults diagnosed with ADHD often blame themselves for their problems or view themselves in a negative light. This can lead to self-esteem issues, anxiety, or depression, but it's not your fault that you have the ADHD, and while you can't control how you're wired, you can take steps to compensate for your weaknesses and learn to flourish in all areas of your life. So the the last paragraph on this uh, helpguide.org article just says when to seek help outside, uh, when to seek outside help for adult ADHD. And it just says if the symptoms are getting in the way of your life, despite self-help efforts to manage them, then it might be time to seek outside support. Adults with ADHD can benefit from a number of treatments, including behavioral coaching, individual therapy, self-help groups, vocational counseling, educational assistance, and medication. So treatment for adults with ADD is like treatment for kids. It should involve a team of professionals along with the person's family members and spouse. And, uh, and when you can, try to find somebody who is a professional trained in ADD or ADHD because they can help control the impulsive behaviors, manage your time, your money, um, get and stay organized, boost productivity at home and work, manage stress and anger, and help you communicate more clearly. But so as we kind of wrap this one up, and I did not get to the assessment tools, that was something that I did want to do, and I can't lie, I kind of assumed that... Uh, there would probably be a part three of two when it comes to ADD. I know that made me laugh somehow when I started thinking about that, but I didn't. I assumed that I probably wouldn't get through everything in episode two. So I will go over. I'm going to do one more episode. I'm going to try to talk about the assessment tools, and, and maybe I can even just do a lot more of the Q&As because I still didn't answer all of the questions that, uh, that I received. So please do send me more feedback. If you have questions, maybe for episode three of two um, questions, send them to contact at TonyOverbay.com. Or if you go on Virtual Couch uh, Instagram, you can shoot me a direct message there. Or if you're on Facebook, you can send me a message through Facebook there as well at either Virtual Couch, uh, the Facebook page, or Tony Overbay, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. But send me your questions, and we'll do a little bit of a QA on there as well. In part three, I'll go over the assessment tools, and, uh, and I'll give you some examples of some of the questions and some of the thoughts that, uh, that I had when taking those assessments. But, uh, but I hope that last part, uh, not the last paragraph, but the last things where we talked about self-help for adult ADHD, that that maybe helps a lot of people know where to go from here first. But it is the exercise to eat healthily, uh, get plenty of sleep, practice better time management, work on your relationships, create a supportive work environment, practice mindfulness, and then remember, um, blame the ADHD, not yourself. And, uh, and I think those things will help. You can also get the book Driven to Distraction. That one is so full of things, and I'm going to hit another section on that in part three as well that just talks a lot more about uh, just a pretty quick list of some of the symptoms that uh, to watch out for. But so, hey, thank you for joining me today, and I will look forward to, uh, we'll do this again next week. We'll do part three of two on uh, ADD, ADHD, um, ADD in, in effective type, um, and friend, frenemies from way back. And until then, I'll see you again on the virtual couch.
thanks for joining me today on my personal journey with ADHD. And please remember that the virtual couch is not a replacement for professional counseling. I highly recommend you find a therapist, a counselor in your area that you can talk to. Or you've heard me say before the show started, take a look at betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. And if you would be so kind, I would forever be grateful. If you like something that you heard today, share the show with a friend who you think might benefit from today's topic. And on that note, if you like the show, please take a quick moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help more people find the podcast. And feel free to contact me at contact at tonyoverbay.com. If you have questions or a topic that you think would make a, a good podcast, or if you're interested in having me come speak to your group or company, organization, or congregation about any of the topics that you've heard on the virtual couch, I will see you next time on the virtual couch. Oh,